I was talking to my grandmother the other day on the phone and I was trying to get some affirmation for this pandemic man bun that I'm trying to rock and she looked at me and she was like, something is different. We were on FaceTime. She just got an iPad and she said, oh my gosh, Blaine, I used to do your mother's hair like that when she was a baby. So my week's been great. I hope yours has been as well. Wherever you're tuning in from, whether you're in California, in New York, maybe you're in Washington, D.C. like me, we're so glad to have you. The other night at dinner, uh, I was with my son, Jeremiah, who we call JJ, he's five, and my wife, Hannah, who I call Hannah, because that's her name, and we were talking about phrases that we hear that are unforgettable, that are memorable, and also powerful. And we were really kind of getting onto a trend of, what are those three-word phrases that we like to hear, or maybe that we're even afraid to hear? Maybe in this cultural moment, you think of Black Lives Matter, an important phrase, an important sentiment that needs to be repeated by people like me more and more. Or maybe you think in terms of marketing and commercials, obey your thirst, for instance, with just Sprite or just do it. Nike, you probably guessed that in the chat box. You're already ahead of me. And then I began to ask my wife, what is her favorite three-word phrase that she likes to hear in our apartment? And she said, there's more money. So that was her honest reaction. And so then I, I braved it and asked my son, Jeremiah, and he said, one more episode. That is his favorite three-word phrase to hear. What's really interesting about these simple and short phrases is that they mean so much, and yet there's just packed into something that is so small and so simple. All of us have heard these phrases, some which bring joy and others which bring discouragement. Maybe you've heard someone say, I love you or share my fries. Maybe that it's a little bit of a sore subject. Someone's told you, that's my taco or wear a mask. Maybe, like many of us, you're processing the countless emails that you receive from university administrators doing their very best, but those three words, classes are online. Our son, JJ, he talked about the academic year like this, dorms aren't real. And we're trying to grapple, we're trying to grapple with difficult things all around us. And if you remember one thing from this short talk today, I hope that you remember this. There is hope. For those of us that believe in Jesus, there is hope. For those of us that turn to Scripture for truth and for guidance, there is hope. For those of us who experience the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in us, there is hope. And what's really unique about Christianity is that there is hope regardless of what the circumstances around you might look like, regardless of what the feelings inside of you might feel like. And in fact, those three words, there is hope, really come from another powerful phrase said thousands of years ago. A Messiah, brown skin and long hair, at the center of political and religious turmoil, is brutally and violently executed. And he says three words that change everything. It is finished. And it's a little bit interesting to parse out because 
Even though he says that, and as followers of Jesus, we believe that he has conquered sin and death, that disease and famine, that disappointments and brokenness are gone, we still experience those things. We still live in the real world. After Jesus said those words, people still got sick. People still died. People encountered tragedy. What I love the most, what's anchoring me in this season, is the fact that there is something deeper, something larger, something that can hold me, something that can hold you. See, Christianity isn't about ignoring the problems of this world. In fact, it's about living in such a way that heaven would come into earth just a little bit, would come into your home, your classes, and our campuses. What I love about Jesus is really discovered in this name that he has in Scripture, Emmanuel. It means God with us. There's another three words. I didn't even try that time. But it basically means that Jesus is God. Come to meet us. And that's the story that we celebrate. The beginning of that at Christmas and the culmination of that at Easter. It's this idea that in the midst of it, he's here. That when we're suffering, he's nearby. When we're hurting, he's not far off. When we're in pain, he hasn't forgotten. So if there's anything that you take away from this talk, I want to make sure that you hear that there is hope. One of my favorite passages is in the book of James. This is the brother of Jesus who wrote this. And in James 4, there's several verses that I'll quote often with the staff, with students that I'm mentoring, and in moments just like this. James chapter 4, and I'm going to pick up in verse 7. So maybe you want to pick up an app or you have a print Bible like I do. If you're online watching at dckyalpha.com slash worship, you can click the Bible tab and take some notes and follow along. It says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So that sounds pretty good, right? Verse 7 is simple. Submit to God, resist the devil, no one wants to hang out with him, and then the devil will flee from you. Sounds good to me. Verse 8, and here's where it gets interesting. Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's the bumper sticker, tweetable theology that I love remembering. But the verse actually goes in an interesting direction. The second part of verse 8 says this. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You double-minded what? People? Folks? Persons? It's interesting because in the middle of comfort, there's a little bit of a challenge, a rebuke, a correction from James. And then in verse 9, it says this, Grieve, mourn, and well, period. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. That verse is like an emotional roller coaster. We're talking about the devil running from him, him respecting our decision, our fleeing. We're encouraged to come near to God. We discover it's a dynamic relationship that as we pursue God, that he pursues us right back. And then it kind of goes into washing your hands, which we've heard all too often. And then we're called sinners. We're told to purify our hearts. 
and then we're called double-minded. What James is really getting at here is that sometimes as believers, we can say that we believe one thing, but we act like we believe something else. In other words, you can discover someone's theology not by what they describe, but how they live. Someone else put it like this, all theology is worked out in someone's hands and feet. What I appreciate about this passage is something that I appreciate about difficult passages in Scripture in times like these. Hard passages provide unique comfort in hard times. Hard passages provide unique comfort in hard times. This passage isn't a Hallmark card. This passage isn't an Instagram influencer reminding us to engage in positivity and optimism. This passage written by the brother of Jesus, the Messiah that conquered death and sin, that brought salvation to us, that's pursuing you, that's pursuing me. We're reminded of how we are to live, submitted to God, resisting the devil, coming near to God, pursuing, taking steps, knowing and trusting that God will come near to us. We're reminded to wash our hands, and it doesn't mean because of the pandemic. It means to purify oneself, to to recognize what in your life might be going against what you truly believe. Maybe you do experience hope, but there's a distraction, there's a difficulty, there's a relationship that makes you forget the hope that you should be remembering. That's what James is talking about. And then in verse 9 and 10, It's really interesting because we're probably already in a place of grieving and mourning in this cultural moment, whether it's with civil unrest, continued violence of the black community by law enforcement officers and officials, and even parsing out the pandemic, not just in our world, not just how it's affected our lives, but the suffering worldwide. We're told in that moment to be of a sober mind, to humble ourselves and know that he will lift you up. I love that reminder that we're not to wait for our circumstances to lift us up, but the fact that there is hope is in this idea that God will lift us up. Sure, it's great to turn on the news. Well, it's actually never great to turn on the news, but maybe there's some positive news you have gotten. Maybe there's, let's just say, a presidential ticket that's got you excited. I get that. I relate to that. I'm with you. But this is a great reminder that for us as believers, we get to live for something greater, but not something that's just later, something that is here and now. And it's not just something that should benefit us as believers, but should benefit everyone around us. For you, maybe that's your sibling, maybe that's a professor, maybe that's your academic advisor who you've only met through Zoom or WebEx or FaceTime or whatever new app we're using this week. There's also three words that I hope that you hear a lot when you spend time with us, even in virtual environments like this. Jesus, purpose, and community. It's not a sentence, I know, but there is a sentence that goes behind it. Here at DC Chi Alpha, we believe in Jesus. We trust him to define our purpose, and we believe that faith is done best in the context of community. Whether you're joining a life group in Zoom, whether you're logging on each week as we gather on Thursdays to worship and learn together, 
Or maybe you're connecting in with a staff member, an upperclassman who's helping you navigate all the changes and yet all the things that are the same as just a few weeks and months ago. I want you to know that regardless of where you're at in your faith journey, that you can experience Jesus here, that he does have a purpose for you, and that things like faith and meaning-making and discovering calling and purpose are always done best in the context of community. One of the most famous passages in Scripture, you probably already know it, in John 3, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in Him would have eternal life if you trust in Him. What I love is that next verse, John continues to tell us that Jesus comes not to condemn, but to save. And if I'm honest with you, there are so many parts of my life and my story that still need saving. We're in a world that is hurting and broken. No one, no one has experienced more saving than necessary. And what I love about Jesus is he's inviting us to be saved by him, not another institution, not another charismatic leader, not even a group like Chi Alpha. He's calling us to himself. If we're being real honest, Chi Alpha is a means to an end. The end is being near with Jesus and then beginning to live like Him. It's our hope that as you spend time with us, that you don't just fall in love with Chi Alpha, but instead that this community helps you to fall in love with Jesus. Over the next few weeks and months, there'll be time and space for you to ask questions. Maybe you're exploring faith for the first time. Or perhaps you're coming to college like I was many years ago. Thankful for the faith that I had, but still not fully yet sure how that was going to play out now that I was independent and in the real world. Whether you're watching from home, whether you're still in your pajamas, there's no judgment. What I want you to remember is there is hope.